Hi, friend. Hi, friend. I'm Michael Cassidy. And I'm Laura Holloway. And this is the Actors Helpline. One of my children turned four over the weekend, and my wife was snuggled up with this kid, and uh, the <laughs> night before was telling this kid, uh, at this time, four years ago, you know, telling them their birth story. And this time four years ago, I started to feel labor pains and it was getting to be time for you to arrive. And they were all snuggled up. And and then I woke up your daddy and he just goes, I'm going to start drinking coffee. <laughs> and Laura, right my wife's name is Laura also. Yeah. And Laura goes, Okay. And then, and she just goes back to her story. And then you were born. And it was a magical, magical day. And he goes, Sully is a scarer. But Mike, what's Mike? Is Mike, what's Mike? Because he's not scary. What a brain on this kid. Yeah. He had watched Monsters, Inc. And I think that on Monsters, Inc., there's some sort of coffee bit. And so he was just digesting that movie. Oh, that's how the coffee's related. I think so. I think I'm going to start drinking coffee. Kids say the darndest things, Michael. (laughs) 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 Oh, I can't believe he's four. I know. And not 23, based on this conversation. I can't believe I'm still alive. If he's four, I'm dead. All right. So you're dealing well with getting older then? You're doing fine. It's just, I'm either young and fine or dead. That's how I am. Sure. That's how I think about it. The passage of time. Gray areas are hard. Guys, we have a great, great question today. Our question today comes from Katie. Katie, Laura asks, what does a day on set look like? And how do you, quote, stay in it or stay focused on your acting when you're on set? What is a day on set like? I love this question. Get into it. Day on set. Okay, so I just I just like this is this is what it is from from a zoomed out perspective. You go to the location, you check in, or you arrive by van if you're on if you get a ride. You check in with an AD in base camp of any sort. You they record that your time is starting now. They take you to a dressing room or a um, honey wagon or a folding chair. You go through hair and makeup, you change into your costume, you go to set for rehearsal. They start to set up the first shot. You shoot the first shot. You shoot a bunch more shots. You go to lunch, you shoot more. You go to hair and makeup after all the shots are done to get all your hair and makeup and and, uh, costume off. You sign out, you go home. And there is a ton of waiting in between each and every single one of those events that I just described. But that's basically what happens next throughout the day of filming on set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I tried to make it as broad as possible because it doesn't really matter in my experience. Like I've worked on stuff where I had a big old trailer and I was still just doing the same stuff I do when I'm in a folding chair underneath a, you know, canopy or I've, 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 I've done a lot of like waiting on the shot in my car on smaller productions. Like. You want us to sit over there, but if I'm alone, I'll be just 
over here and my car's right there. Can I just sit in my car? And they're like, sure. Short films and student films and stuff like that. Do you have anything to add to that? I think you pretty much covered it. So this second question is awesome. Yeah. What do you, what do you do? How do you do this? Well, it's funny because uh, from most of my career, I have had, you know, really small parts, whether the production was big or small or whatever the budget was. And I know there's no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> um, that's not true. There are small parts and I've had a lot of them. <laughs> um, and for those, the answer to that question for me is like, I don't really have to do anything to stay in it. <laughs> Because most of the time I'm like, your table is right this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not rocket science. So um, I make sure I know my lines before I show up to set. So there isn't, the, the truth is there really hasn't been a lot of like, how do I stay in it? How do I, you know, prep all of that stuff? Um, aside from, you know, making sure that I, I do a vocal warm up. I might do the basic relaxation from the method um, is an exercise that I find really useful. Uh, you know, I make sure I'm, my instrument is available by doing things like that. But I, when I've had bigger parts, which has only happened more recently, that was a whole different experience. And what I found was I was in so much, like when I was there, I was in so many scenes every day that I actually didn't have a lot of time to sit around and they were moving pretty quick. So the first thing I thought of when I'm thinking about this particular <clears throat> movie that I shot last year was there wasn't a lot of time. So in the time that I did have, which was like lunch and a few minutes here and there, I was just trying to breathe and like take a moment to myself. And those are kind of my two experiences at this point in my career. Staying in it for me is like required when I have some sort of emotional demand. And I, you know what? It's funny. I, I struggled to answer this because I don't think I, I, even when I was doing this really emotional work in this film, I, at this point, I am, uh, for me, the kind of actor I am today, and this could change and it was not always like this, but even in that incredibly emotional work, I wasn't like prepping before I went into it, aside from making sure that I was um, kind of like limber vocally and physically and available to myself. So I, I would just, uh, I think knowing my lines is really important for me. So if I don't feel super confident in them, I will definitely look at them in between. But uh, I'm typically super confident in them before I get there. Do, I have questions for you about this movie. Did you, um, roughly how many pages or scenes did you shoot a day? Um, I think we shot, uh, we, we, it moved at a clip. It was an indie film. And uh, they were definitely trying to get as much done as they could every day, obviously. And I, I would say we probably shot like five. Oh, here. Oh, my God. I have a call sheet like pinned to my board. <laughs> I have my yes um just coincidentally yes so on this day this random day day seven of 15 in October of last year we feature film in 15 feature days film okay. in 15 days um three okay so that's roughly seven pages a day mm -hmm. which is the same pace as hour-long episodic tv 
This particular day was 13 pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, God mm-hmm. bless it. But a lot of them were just with two people and not a lot of dialogue. How many strips are there on that call sheet? How many How many scenes are there? 11. 11, 11 strips. 11 strips. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I can, and obviously oh, I can see. Are you in all of them? No. I was only there for the first half of the day on this one, actually. It looks like. Um, I was in, I was in, I was in, uh, six of them. So I was called early and I left, I probably left around two. On this movie, you, you, you said you did a vocal warm up. Did you do it on your drive to set or did you do it after you arrived after going through hair and makeup or did it change? How did where did you fit in the vocal warm up? On this particular job, mostly it was in the car. I drove myself and, and to be perfectly honest with you, there was also probably a day or two where I didn't do any of that. Because I was like, oh, crap, I'm trying to run my lines for the scene they added. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will definitely, if I can't do it in the car, I'll, I'll do some mm-hmm. semblance of a vocal warm-up, no matter what. That's a really important part of my process. Mm-hmm. You said that the, that, the, that the filming went quickly on this piece. Did you, do you mean that you guys would come in and rehearse, and then they were like, we'll set up the shot, and then they were ready uh, quickly after saying we're setting up the shot now, or do you mean that you guys something else? Usually, I went straight into hair and makeup when I got there, unless it was full because there were only two hair and makeup artists. So sometimes, you know, sometimes I'd have to wait a minute, and then they would come and get us either out of hair and makeup, like, "Hey, we need her for a second. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a camera rehearsal and an actor rehearsal." And then if I needed to go back, I went back. And then sometimes there was an AD standing there going like, how much longer? How much longer? We're ready. We're ready. How much longer? And sometimes I would finish and I would be standing there Mm -hmm. waiting for them Mm -hmm. because they were still futzing with lighting or I I had a lot of uh, practical effects on my body on this one, like blood. And I was shot a few pages into the film and then <laughs> I am bleeding in the rest of the film. <laughs> so I am, I am covered in, like I had, you know, bandages and there were a lot of weapons to be dealt with. So there was always that. There was always like the armor. Is that what it's called? The weapon person? Yeah. Yeah. The weapons person. Uh, there was always dealing with like the gun. If you were about to walk away, they took it and, you know, like they always had to show mm-hmm. you fire test shot. And um, yeah, that's interesting. That's I, it just dawned on me that like people who don't know what it's like to be on set wouldn't know that a day on set with firearms, fake firearms involves all this kind of extra stuff, you know, or at least it should. <laughs> huh. Um. So yeah, that was what it was like on on that one. And <clears throat> I really didn't have a lot of time in between. I just didn't. And if I did, I was usually running to the bathroom because where we were shooting, we didn't have there was no bathroom in on the premises. So there was like a honey wagon all the way out, <laughs> you know, of this big complex and um cuz it was in an uh, abandoned kind of building situation. Mm-hmm. And or I was like running to get something fixed that was falling off of my, you know, bandage or wound or whoops, I just got blood somewhere else on myself that I shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a lot of that. So there wasn't a lot of time in between. Mm-hmm. But I really am of the mind that like if I'm prepped and this this is new for me, if I am 
prepped, which I am because I'm a professional actor and I show up as a professional and I am ready to go. I've done my work and now I'm there to play and discover and, you know, do my job and hit my marks and take direction and all that stuff. But uh, I don't feel this need to be like, I need to be in my dressing room, like quietly meditating in between. You know what I mean? Like I can be shooting the shit with everybody and then step in to my own death scene and like say goodbye to my, you know, movie daughter and cry. And, and then when they call cut, I can like start shooting the shit with people again. It doesn't feel like it used to where I have to like stay in it. You know, do you relate to that? I relate to it. I, I mean, the, the things that I thought about as a way of answering your question and the, the question we have is like, it is, it would be hard. I know I've said this before, but it would be hard for me to overstate how technical this job is in TV and film, Mm -hmm. the acting job. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, I can't say enough how many experienced actors I've worked with who don't understand that unless they know where the camera is and is not, their choices are not being filmed. Yeah. And so the reason that I'm saying that as, as it relates to what you're describing is like, I've worked all these different ways. I've worked in all the ways you just described, um, being alone, quote, uh, quote unquote, staying in it, not staying in it, shooting the shit. The, my sort of process around the set, the filming work is that I like you prepare extremely thoroughly alone. And then so that when I get to set, I can first focus on what the technical demands of the scene are. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the technical demands are what you described in terms of like hair, makeup effects. And then sometimes the technical demands are like in this shot, I got to walk in, open the briefcase, pull out three files. And I want those files to weigh something. I want them to, I don't want them to be Mm -hmm. empty. So I need to make sure that me and the prop person have enough paper Mm -hmm. in them. And if he or she or, or they weren't expecting that the prop person, then there's going to be some time associated with them finding the thing that I'm asking them for. And so I try to be really on top of it um, so that I'm staying ahead of what the demands are of the scene. And I do the same thing with the camera stuff. And I have sort of a caveat to this, but with the camera demands, I sort of like to do the rehearsal and then kind of hang around, but far back and try and get a sense of what the first couple shots are going to be. And if it's a two person scene, and I feel empowered to do so, and I'm interested in the answer, I'll go up to the director or the showrunner and say, you know, what are the, what's the rough plan here? Um, if there's any doubt in my mind of what it is, so that I have a sense of where we're going to be, particularly at the beginning of a long-term gig. Like, what is the style? Um, I did the show Waco The Aftermath uh, last year, and they like to do a lot of really long takes and a lot of moving camera on a Steadicam. And when I started to work, my first couple of ones of those shots, I was like, oh, this is pretty different. Like I'm doing five pages at a, at a stretch. And I was prepared for that. And it the writing flowed in such a way that that worked. Um, but at the same time, um, I had to get in a technical frame set, that frame, uh, frame of mind where the camera is going to be crossing my eye line. Mm. It's going to be coming up behind me, but then coming around to my face. And it's going to be responding to me in a way that very, very 
it's very infrequent to like sort of dance with a camera operator in that way. And that was a unique challenge of that circumstance. So in that time, um, in that instance, I got to know the A-camera operator really well because we were shooting these long takes and he and I needed to be on the same page about what was going to be where. And he wanted to know what he needed to capture. And that just comes from talking it out. So I sort of found as a young actor that I was going into a much more technically demanding environment than I expected. And so my reaction to that over the last 20 years has been to sort of like over prepare the technical stuff so that I can get back to being creative, which is what I thought the whole job was going to be in the first place. Mm. And so I try and get out in front on like, where's the camera going to be roughly? What is the shot going to look like in almost all cases I have a stand in. And so once I have a sense, I try to stay close to set, even though they don't always like that because, and it's super important for new actors to hear this. If you get a gig on uh, a production with any kind of budget, the set belongs to the crew after the rehearsal mm -hmm. and the crew is, does not include the actors. So I'm not saying you need to run as far away from the set as you can, but you will be instructed to rehearse the scene, show it to the crew. And then they're going to say, we're going to have you go over here and you need to sort of go over there mm -hmm. so that you are not in the way when they're moving the lighting equipment and the cameras in and out of the door, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, you have to balance that with the fact that if you walk in and they go, okay, so you're pouring coffee in this scene, the coffee is actually hot because we're going to see the steam and you need to um, turn off the burner when they say action. And that's going to somehow throw you off. You have to be around to sort of get out in front of that. Hmm. And a lot of this, the sort of, uh, interpersonal grace with which I go about this comes from just a ton of experience. There's no other way to learn it, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, my focus in terms of staying in it is almost entirely technical to start out. Um, some people are wonderful at balancing this stuff and being without asking any questions. Like I... I'm thinking of a couple of actors that I've worked with in the last year who seemingly are not talking to anyone about the visual or technical elements and are always hitting their marks, always finding their eyelines, eyeline meaning what they're looking at uh, off camera. They're always on the words. They're always, their performance always, from my perspective, appears to be very full and um, evocative. And I didn't see them do any of the stuff that I have to do in order to have my performance be mm. recorded. Um, I just, I don't know how they do that. I guess I always sort of tend to be a bit of a boy scout. So I always want people to like me. I always want uh, people to think I'm good and I'm naturally inclined to try to manage their sense mm. of me much less than I used to be, but still very much so. And because that's my default, I always have to balance this desire to be externally focused and inner focused on set. And that's one of the biggest sort of modulations I have um, on a job to job basis. I sometimes need to work silently and focused. And then sometimes I need to work super extroverted and inquisitive and uh, riffing and annoying. And there's no real like rule to it. 
I usually base it around the feeling that I want to have when I arrive at the beginning of the next shot. So, and not like an emotion, but just sort of like an inner vibe. So if I'm playing a guy who's at work and I'm super focused on that work, I am going over the lines of the work and I'm going over the briefcase or I'm going over the stethoscope business or I'm going over that stuff. But if I'm playing a guy who's in love with somebody or who's about to ask somebody out, I might sit next to that person and talk to them about their life and start to try to fall in love with them. And it will often feel like I'm a different person in between shots to myself on different jobs Mm. Um, as sort of like weird and pretentious as that sounds. And that's just hard because I also just love people. Like I love people. I obviously love talking. And when I'm on a job long-term, I'm interested in people's lives. You know, I want to know how their kid's doing. I love talking to the transpo guys about like, where'd you find a car that's a hundred years old, (laughs) you know, uh, and, and that I'm about to drive as fast as it can go. And that's a tricky balance. And the longer you're on a job, the easier it is. If you work one day on a job, you're, you're just a step above a chair on the set. And it doesn't mean you're a piece of garbage. It just means that that's what you are. So you need to sort of like, I I sort of think about it as like, just be um, a piece of furniture and allow yourself to be sort of moved and ready to be sat in (laughs) or pushed aside Um, or don't take the job. It's not that big a deal. Those jobs don't pay that much money. You won't be missing anything. Um, But they're, those jobs are really specific kinds of jobs. And often the first jobs that people get for a long while. Yeah, absolutely. Prop jobs. That's, that's what I call them. Absolutely. And it is true that the less heft you have in the story, the less heft you have Mm -hmm. off camera as well. It, it just is what it is. And I have been through it all. The, the, depending on the heft of your part in telling the story, I do think it really can feel quite different. It feels quite different. It doesn't look a lot different on the outside, but it can feel really different. And I know for me, I mean, having had the, you know, biggest role of my career to date last year, it, it was such a different experience. <laughs> it was just such a different experience internally and therefore also externally because um, my internal reality, you know, dictates so much of my experience and, and how I behave. And I mean, I don't want that to be true, but it just is. And I remember my very, very first job um, out of acting school. I have one line and I, I was in a scene with Frank Langella, who was who is somebody I had seen in plays and films. And I just thought he, the world of him and the actress he was playing opposite was also named Laura. And the day that I worked as a one line day player was her first day on set as well. And his big trailer was, this was like on location in New York city. So there were two big trailers outside and one was his and one was Elliot Gold's and Elliot wasn't there that day. And so they put me in Elliot's trailer. So I was right next to Franklin Jella's trailer. (laughs) And by the way, Elliot Gold is in, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is called The Long Goodbye. It's a Robert Altman movie. Mm-hmm. And my dad loves him. And I was freaking out that I was in his trailer and his stuff was in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they realized that, but like some of his stuff was in mm-hmm. there. 
And I called my dad and he was like, oh my God, what's this stuff look like? What's it look like? And I was like, I'm not looking, I'm not touching. Anyway, I remember I came out and I sat- You were smelling his underwear for sure. Gross, Michael. <laughs> Gross. And yes, I did. So, oh, okay. sorry, Elliot. I touched none of his things. I was so afraid that I was going to get fired the second I got that job for whatever reason. So um, anyway, I step out. I was in there for a while. Nobody had talked to me for a really long time. I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, so I was like, I need some air. So I I opened the door to sit on the steps and Frank Langella's trailer was literally right next to there and his steps were next to mine. And he came out and was like, you must be Laura. And I was like, I am. He was being so attentive to me. When you said like, I sit and if I have to be in love with somebody, like I might sit and talk to them. Right. So he's like talking to me and I'm like, wow, this is so nice. I have one line. And then he started talking about the scene and I was like, um, no, I don't, I don't think we need to do that for this scene. It was like this whole thing. And finally I hadn't seen that it was, you know, Laura Herring was in the show or whatever her name or was in the movie. And he was like, so you're not playing so-and-so? And And I was like, oh, no. It was all very hilarious and like curb your enthusiasm-y. And the moment he found out that I was playing his assistant, there was someone else there. I don't know if it was his, you know, assistant or whatever. The moment he found that out, his face changed. He turned away from me and didn't speak to me again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, got it. And I felt weird yeah. and sat there for a minute and then went back into L.A. Gold's trailer and uh, was afraid to touch anything or move. And then eventually they came and got me. And then when we went in and did the thing, we did his coverage. And then, you know, it was my turn. And I had this long tracking shot where they follow me. You know, there's like a dolly and it's in front of me and I'm walking and it's going backwards. And it was the first time I'd ever done that. It was a really long haul. And then I had to hit this mark and open this door and pop my head in. And there's another camera in there and blah, 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 blah. And... I popped my head in and there was no Frank to do my lines. Oh, yeah. It was just like an X. But I didn't know that either. Like that wasn't something I knew happened, right? I learned so much about where I was on the totem pole of um, kind of importance, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was a really good learning experience. And I, you know, did a great job and got cut out of the movie. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. That's a fucking perfect. That is a perfect story of like what this gig is. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's perfect. That is a perfect story. We have to end it with that story. But also you can check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Go ahead and find us there. There's all kinds of fun stuff to see. We post some videos on there so you'll see our mugs. If you want to hear your voice on this podcast, you can visit theactorshelpline.com. Click on the microphone. You don't have to sign up for anything. It asks you for an email. You can leave it blank. I want to be so clear about this. We don't want your email. We want your question. We want to help you. It's called The Helpline. Thanks for checking us out, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye, friends. Bye.